Well, that was beautiful. There is some wisdom that I've picked up through my years in ministry and a couple that seemed especially appropriate for this morning. The first one is a prayer. Dear God, please let there be something that happens in worship that was not in the bulletin. I've <laughs> had plenty of that this morning, but let me say how incredibly grateful I am to be a part of a ministry team that works so well together and has so many gifts so we can adjust, adapt, and step in whenever and however is needed. This is a gift. The second is something a mentor told me in seminary. Always have a sermon in your back pocket. <laughs> you never know when you're gonna be asked to preach with very short notice. This is the second time in my ministry that I've gotten a call on a Saturday to see if I could preach the next day. Um, but thanks to COVID, I have had this one pulled out, ready to update. So um, I've been ready for today for weeks. Um, I'm grateful for a negative COVID test last night or yesterday, another one this morning, along with that sermon in my back pocket, which means that I can be here um, in this pulpit today. So I am glad to be here. I am glad you are here in person and online. Um, and we're gonna spend some time with Psalm 84 this morning, a Psalm that celebrates the church, the dwelling place of God. When I hear this dwelling place as, as an image for the temple, it makes me think about home, the place where we are from, the place we like to go back to, for some of us, the place we've never left, a place that is safe and known. But thinking about home can be tricky for some of us. Um, it's hard for me when people ask me where I call home because I've moved so much. So if someone asks, where do you call home? I could answer that I was born in Georgia, but I only lived there for three years. I don't have any memories from our time there. And to be honest, I would need help finding it on a map. Um, so maybe not so much home. I could tell you that I'm from Maryland. It's where my parents are both from, my extended family lives. I've spent a majority of my Christmases and summer vacations there. And I did live there, but only for five years, so I don't know if that counts. And of course, there's Asheville. I lived here for four years when I was a student at Mars Hill. And then I returned in 2015 when you called me to your staff and planned to live here for a long, long time. So it's a complicated question for someone like me, but when we know something about where a person calls home, it helps us understand who they are. It helps us understand where he got his accent lets us know if she likes her tea sweet or unsweet, helps us guess what teams he may like, and gives us ideas of places that she's been. Our home is so deeply connected to who we are. It's the place where we've lived our best moments, our worst moments, 
and everything in between. So when we think about home, it takes us to a specific place or places that we call home. It's the place where we can find ourselves. It's a place where we can go and be ourselves. Deep within us all, there is a longing for home because that's the place where we feel known, the place where we feel most complete. It is always good to be home. In the Old Testament, the temple was understood to be the dwelling place of God. So for a Jew to come to God's house, it was cause for celebration. And it's what the psalmist had in mind when he wrote these words. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed it faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a nest even the, oh, even the, where, I lost my place. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, happy are those who live in your house ever singing your praise. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. There's plenty we don't know about this psalmist. We don't know where he lived. We don't know how long it took him to get to the temple or how long it had been since he was last there. We don't know how long he would be able to stay or when he would next return. But we do know how joyful he is to be there. He noticed the birds that made home in the temple and is envious of those who, because of temple leadership, were able to stay there year-round. As the psalmist has come to the temple, he has come home. And we come to the church each week. We come to Bible study and worship on Sundays. We come on Wednesdays for Bible study, agape, agape kids, choir rehearsal, and one day again, dinners. We are here throughout the week, meeting with groups, volunteering time, dropping off and picking up things. And we don't even give it a second thought. We just hop in the car and come on over. But it wasn't so easy back when the psalmist wrote these words. So many lived so far from the temple it was quite a feat to go. They would journey in caravans in order to go to the temple to celebrate Passover or another religious holiday or feast. You can remember with me the story of when Jesus was a boy and his family made the long trek to the temple. The group that they were traveling with was a full day on their way back home before his parents even knew Jesus was missing. It took them days to get to the temple. You can remember with me Hannah in the Old Testament who went to the temple only once a year. It was there that she prayed for a son and promised that she would give him to God's service 
And even after she had her beloved son and had sent him to live at the temple, Hannah only returned once a year to see him and to worship God. And so perhaps we don't give a second thought to how easy it is for us to be here. But we do know the church remains and is for us a significant place in the life of God's people. Each week we enter this space and take our seats and look around this room. It's a beautiful sanctuary. And as it's filled with the sounds of our congregation and of sacred music and holy text, we can't help but say, how lovely is your dwelling place, O God. This room, this place, is where we come to celebrate our best moments as we attend weddings and celebrate new life with the dedication of babies and baptisms of new Christians. This is the place we come in our worst times for funerals and in moments of crisis. And this is where we come for everything in, be in between. We come to church because it is like coming home, the place we can find ourselves and the place we can be ourselves. And we use the language of house and home a lot when we talk about church. I know some people who will call this place the church house as an intentional way to remind us that the church isn't the building, but it's the people. And we also call this and us our church home. So what is the difference between a house and a home? I heard a story once about a young military family who had just been relocated to a new post. They had trouble with their housing assignment, and so because of some confusion, they had to spend several weeks in a hotel before their house was ready. Two parents and three kids made for tight quarters in a small hotel room. Someone knowing of the situation said to the daughter, well, I'm so sorry you don't have a home. And the daughter responded, well, I have a home. I just don't have a house to put it in. <laughs> for generations, people have come to the temple or the church to seek and find and meet God. And there is something about having a place to come to that helps satisfy a need in the lives of people. That's something that we felt and we missed during the pandemic when we couldn't gather in this place. But as we've had the opportunity to rethink and recreate how we gather, we have been reminded that the building itself isn't who we are. It is a part of our identity. We're known as the church with the dome, but there's so much more. You can tell something about a person by knowing where they are from, but that doesn't tell you everything about them. 
Likewise, looking at our building, you can tell certain things about us. If someone were to take a look at the church between Woodfin and Charlotte Streets, they might be able to guess that we are a traditional church, a church that holds beauty as one of its core values. They might guess that we are an active congregation by the number of cars in the parking lot and the people who are coming and going throughout each day. They might guess we love children when they see two playgrounds and little ones coming and going from our two childcare centers and our arts academy. You could see the attention that we give to the spiritual health of all and caring specifically for grieving families as you step into our sacred garden. Just by looking at this place, you could make some pretty good guesses about who we are. Just the same as if you drove down your neighborhood street, you could make some assumptions about who lived in each house just based on what you saw. Looking at the house, paying attention to cars, noticing what's in the yard might tell you something about what the family is like, what age they are, if they have kids, sorts of things they enjoy. But just by looking at their house and yard, it wouldn't mean that you would know these people. As children, we were taught that thing that says, here is the church, here is the steeple, open the door and see all the people. To really know who we are, to understand what we believe and what we are about as a church, you have to take a look and get to know our people. When you see what we do, when you watch how we live, then you really begin to understand who we are. When you learn of phone calls and visits when possible, virtual Bible study and worship options, mailings of notes, bulletins, Bible study lessons, and more to our oldest members, you understand that we care for widows. When you see members bringing in clothes and shoes and winter jackets for refugees who are moving to our area, you understand that we welcome the stranger when you see members gathering on Wednesday and Thursday to prepare boxes of food and bagged lunches, you understand that we care for the hungry. When you see all the things and ways we give beyond just these clothes and food, you understand that we practice generosity. When you see our members going on mission to Cuba and Haiti and Puerto Rico, you understand that we take seriously the Great Commission. When you walk around our building on a Sunday morning and see preschoolers and children and youth and adults in Bible study, you understand that we believe that you are never too young or too old to learn the timeless story of God's love. When you see us be the church, you can't help but say, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. While we do have a lovely sanctuary, and we do, what it is that draws us back week after week, what is it? Is it the bricks and mortar? Is it the doors and dome? 
While this is a stunningly beautiful place, what brings us back each week is our community. We come back because of the people. We come back because it's home. For generation after generation, God's dwelling place was the temple with the Ark of the Covenant, the altar, and the priests. But Jesus challenged that. Once he went into the temple and found people selling things there, and he became angry and he cleared the temple. And when he was asked what authority he had to do that, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. Three days? Three days? You'll raise it in three days? It took us 46 years to build this temple. There is no way you could raise it again in three days. But later, after his death and resurrection, his disciples would remember what he said and understand that Jesus was not talking about the physical building as a temple of God, but instead was referring to his physical body. This was radically different for the Jews who had faithfully for generations gone on pilgrimage to the temple. So how could this be God living in a person rather than the temple? Was that possible? Then Paul. Paul taught the Corinthians that they were God's temple, that God lived in them that God dwells in the hearts and lives of God's people. God dwells in me. God dwells in you. We don't come to church. We are the church. As we worship in this holy place and we experience God's presence here, we realize it is because God lives in us. As the psalmist experienced joy in entering the holy temple of God, we can experience that same joy as we live as a holy temple of God and as we see and experience God's presence in each other. That is our mission, to be the dwelling place of God, carrying God's presence with us wherever we go. There is great joy in seeing God's holy temple, but even greater joy in being God's temple. And you are that temple. When I look at you, I see the people who are my beloved church home. And I can't help but say, how lovely is your dwelling place, O oh Lord. Amen.